0: William Alger, a clergyman of these parts, a hundred years ago was asked about fate. And he said, fate is the friend of the good, the guide of the wise, the tyrant of the foolish, and the enemy of the bad. Do we agree or disagree? Whether fate is friend or enemy, we're about to discover in the unusual
1: tale we have chosen for you today. Unsolved crimes, Henry. The books are full of them. Murderers have gone away clean. Well, take your own family. Your Uncle Joseph was mysteriously poisoned. No one will ever be found guilty. I could explain his death. You could? What's your guess? It's no guess. I know who murdered him. Really? Who did? I did. Henry, are you joking? Oh, I'm deadly serious. Deadly. <laughs>
0: drama, Guilty, adapted from a story by Edith Horton, it was written especially for the mystery seer by G. Frederick Lewis, and stars Paul Hecht. I'll be back shortly with Act One. I don't know how it is where you live. But in the big cities in the USA, success is measured by address. So when attorney Peter Ashton welcomes a client into his Park Avenue office, you can be sure Peter is successful in the legal profession. As for his client, Henry Graham, how successful is he? I don't think I can answer that.
1: Henry, I haven't seen you in a long time. Everything going well. Oh, Peter, not bad, not bad, but not so good either. Isn't that what you lawyers would call an equivocal answer? (laughs) What can I do for you? Peter, we've known each other for quite a few years, and... Well, this is going to be harder for me to say than I thought it would. Well, take your time. I've always felt that you were more than just my lawyer. Not that you've gotten very rich representing me, but... I've always thought of you as a friend. Well, so have I. And I'm not only a friend but a fan. I've said to you many times, you get one of your plays on Broadway and I'll sell enough tickets to my clients to keep you open for months. It's not going to happen. Oh, don't tell me you're going to Hollywood. Uh, I wish. No, I'm not going to make it. In ten years, I've had one play off Broadway and six rejections. Six plays that never got off a desk in a producer's office. Well, I've read your plays, not all of them, Henry, and... Well, I think you're off your head to give up now. Why now, Henry? You know what they tell me? Producers, directors, agents? I lack imagination. My work doesn't ring true. People don't talk like that. Then a month ago, it came to me. What was wrong? But I can't face it alone. That's why I had to see you. Well, I'm sorry it couldn't have been sooner... but I've been up to my years with Mrs. Leslie Ashgrove. You've read about her. Handling her a Oh, so you've met the famous and now rich Mrs. Ashgrove. What's your opinion? Well, about the death of her husband? Yeah. Uh, my opinion, Henry, is that nothing will ever be known about who poisoned him. Whoever did it will never be discovered. An unsolved crime. Mm, another unsolved crime. Uh, the books are full of them. Well, come to think of it, take your own family... Your Uncle Joseph, who also died mysteriously, poisoned, wasn't it? No one will ever be found guilty, person or persons unknown. I could explain his death. I know who murdered him. Really? Who did? I did. (laughs) There's a playwright for you. I'm serious. I'm deadly serious. Uh, Sure, sure, so am I. Well, so you murdered your uncle ten years ago. To inherit his money, right? That wasn't the main reason. You never knew my sister, Kathleen. Uh, She was older than I was, uh, a lovely girl in so many ways. No, no, you didn't know her. She died before you and I met. Yes, it was partly for money. I killed him. I, I needed it for her. Henry, is this some kind of dramatic scene you're trying out to see if it'll play? It's no drama. It's truth. It happened. That's why I've turned out to be what I am, Peter. Because I killed Uncle Joseph. It's always there. Whatever I'm writing, my my characters won't say what I want them to say. My words are fake, unbelievable. My life, all of it is a constant cover-up of hatred and guilt. You can't have reservations when you write. You can't fake people's emotions. You have to feel them yourself, and. And. I can't. So, Peter, can you help me? Well, I can listen, Henry. Ten years ago, I had everything going for me. Was that when your first off-Broadway play opened? Yes, my first and only play. My sister, Kathleen, stayed home. She should have been in the hospital, but I didn't have the money to swing it. I was hoping the play would be a hit. I'd make some money and I could take good care of her. Opening night, I was standing in a corner by the door as the play ended.
2: Hello. I'm Robin Draper. You're Henry Graham, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. I thought so. I write for the Village News. We ran a picture of you when you went into rehearsal. I took the picture. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm sorry, I, I didn't see you. Oh,
2: I take the pictures, I write the stories, I sell advertising space, and tonight I'm the drama critic. Henry, I love the play. And I hope it's got a long run ahead of it.
1: Miss um, m- Draper... Oh, Robin. Uh, Robin... You may be the only person who likes the play this much. Uh, I I don't want you to vanish on me. <laughs> I won't. No, but I, I suppose you have to run back to your newspaper and write your criticism fast to get it in the morning edition. No, no, I don't. The Village
2: News is a weekly. Oh. Let's go across the street for coffee. <laughs> well, just well, just what I was going to suggest. On me, Henry. You see, this is the first time I've met a playwright of a play I loved. So, coffee's on me. Oh, no. Henry, you wrote the play. I'll get the coffee.
1: So, you see, Robin, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm the only one there is to take care of my sister. TB isn't getting any better... If I become famous and that helps pay for her special treatments, uh, that's okay. About once a week, I take Kathleen to the clinic for tests. But we're kidding ourselves. She doesn't need any more tests. She needs special treatments in a hospital.
2: Kathleen is the Kathy of your play. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And her father is me. Helpless, but well-meaning.
2: And the man at the end of your play who comes knocking on the door and, and you... Well, you just know there's hope. Is he based on someone you know? No.
1: (laughs) There's nobody like that in our family. There's only one person who has money, and that's my Uncle Joseph. And the only reason he's got it is that he's never given any away. No, he doesn't spell hope to me.
2: Well, I'm predicting here and now, Henry, you're going to write more and more plays, and more and more people will listen. I know, Robin, but when? Well, maybe it'll take time. But it'll happen.
1: I don't know that I can wait that long. Sure, they liked my one and only play. But they said it was too special to move uptown to Broadway, and next time I ought to write something more commercial. Henry? Kathleen. My sister. How could I write at home? (coughs) The doctors at the clinic just shook their
2: heads. (laughs) Henry.
1: They said that if Kathleen didn't get the right treatment soon, they didn't know how long she could hang on. These treatments were very expensive.
2: Henry, what are you doing staring out the window?
1: I've just decided something. What? I'm going up to Renfield and see Uncle Joseph... I know he's tight, but he's getting along in years. He's our only relative.
2: You you can't ask him for money just like that. Why
1: not? I need it now, not when
3: he's gone. My boy, I don't know what occasion this visit. Don't know why, after all these years, you suddenly had to see me, but... Now that you're here, just look at these melons and tell me if you have ever in your whole life seen anything to equal this. No, I, I never have, Uncle. Uh, how many greenhouses have you, have you here? Uh, three. The first one's where we grow the more exotic melons. Oh, one looks more delicious than the next. I wouldn't know about that. I grow them for the farm shows and the county fairs because I like to look at them. But I can't eat them. Butter, milk, and toast. its all I'm allowed. Huh. It's time for my nap. So, we'll talk later, huh? Huh? What's the matter with you, Henry? You always have that worried expression on your face? Uncle Joseph, it's... It's
1: Kathleen. I'm... I'm concerned about her. You should have brought her. Well, she has TB and... I don't have any money for the special treatments which could cure her. Ah. What do you do for a living? Uh, I've written a play and I've started another. You can't eat plays. How do you eat? Oh, I'm a waiter in a coffee house in the village.
3: Mm. Your sister, how old is she? Twenty, thirty? No, she's Uh thirty-five. Never married. Always been sickly. I've been
1: taking care of her...
3: Well, my advice to you, Henry, is don't worry. Be cheerful. No one likes to see a man who frowns. You have to cultivate a smile. I do.
1: Stayed on a few days, trying everything I could to make this ugly Croesus understand that Kathleen's health was worth at least as much as the care of half a dozen of those acres of melons with their thermometers and humidity controls and all the gadgets and gardeners that went with his expensive hobby. But Uncle Joseph was so self-centered, I knew it was useless. I went to say goodbye to him. He was in his pet greenhouse. When I got there, the glass door was open from the inside... and the head gardener ran out, slamming it shut behind
3: me. And Mario, don't you dare ever show your face in here again... or I'll have the police after you. Well, what is it, Uncle? What happened? Just look at it. And Did you ever see such a beauty? Do you know what that Mario did? This was my prize cassava. I told him to pick it for the county fair tomorrow... Do you see what that idiot did? Dropped his trowel right on the melon. Look at that gash! Oh, it cost me a blue ribbon. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry,
1: Uncle, but I'm I'm afraid I can't stay here any longer. I'm, I'm worried about
3: Kathleen. All right, to Washington. He's probably here illegally. Well, make him pay. Will you look at that melon? It's a crime, Uncle. Will you listen to me? You're right, Henry. All right. I should calm myself.
1: It's bad for the heart. Please, I- I've tried to ask you before. Can't you possibly give me a loan? I- I'll leave the amount to you. I think it- it's your niece, Kathleen. It's not her fault she has this condition. Henry, you're getting all red in the face. Just a little money. You, you wouldn't even feel it. And-, and it could help cure her. I-, I guarantee on my word to pay you back. Uh, I have a half-written play, a wonderful play. I'd give that to you as as security. A
3: half-written play as security? (laughs) All this excitement is too much for me. I can feel my heart pounding. I'm going to my room to lie down. It was then I
1: decided this horrible and selfish old man didn't deserve to live, and it was up to me to kill him. The fact that I would inherit some of his money when he died didn't matter nearly as much as stopping his breath forever. But how to do it? How to murder without getting caught? How to do it without getting caught?
0: A question asked since Cain slew his brother. Those who are driven to dealing death often regard the killing as their duty. Desperation silencing morals, the sense of wrong, and stifling conscience. Henry Graham is in exactly such a predicament, as we shall see when I return shortly with Act Two. exodus of the good book, we read eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, burning for burning, wound for wound, life for life. It was this that fired Henry Graham to action. And it is these
1: events leading to the murder of his uncle, he now tells to his lawyer. So that was ten years ago, Henry? Yes, Peter. Almost to the month. I left Renfield and came back to the city. I had no plan I just knew I shouldn't let him live While I was awake Kathleen's condition got worse A week later The telephone rang It was Uncle Joseph I prayed that he had changed his mind But my prayers were not answered I had a visitor today, Henry Oh, yes? Who? Mario, my old gardener. Remember him? Oh, yes Uh, What did he want? He had the gall to threaten me because I
3: withheld his two-week severance pay. After what he'd done to me, (laughs) I called the police and they ran him out of
1: town. Teach him to try that on me. Uh, How are your melons doing? Oh,
3: I'm going to be eating a little French dwarf
1: melon next Sunday. Oh? What about your diet? Well, I've been feeling
3: low and Dr. Moore said, Maybe the taste of a melon would perk me up. So, this Sunday morning, I shall have myself a real treat.
1: See, it was fate, Peter. My chance. He called on a Tuesday, and Sunday was five days away. I could do it. Excuse me, Henry. Yes. All right. Well, tell them I'll be with them in a minute. Henry, when you began this confession of yours, I had no idea it would take so much time. I have a very tight schedule this morning. I've got two clients waiting for me right now. Don't you want to hear how I poisoned him? No, Henry, really. Just answer me one thing Why this confession at this time? You weren't listening when I told you I cannot write with this knowledge. I'm not sorry I did it, Peter. I did inherit lots of money, but it came too late couldn't save Kathleen she died yeah having money didn't save me either no one will put on a play I've written I'm 40 years old and I'm beaten and I know it Henry we'll talk about this some other time (laughs) yeah yeah you don't believe any of this do you I believe you're disappointed very upset but a murderer no no I don't who else could I talk to who would listen and believe me? I was afraid to test the friendship of the few friends I still had. Robin Draper, Of course, Robin. She was a reporter, a writer. She could put my story into her paper. We'd met ten years ago, and... Seven years ago, we'd each gone our own way. I wondered... If she'd remember me.
2: Don't tell me. I know that voice. Is it Henry
1: Graham? Robin, you recognized me.
2: Oh, I never forget voices, faces, or dreams. Are you still writing plays, Henry?
1: Still dreaming about it, I guess.
2: Why haven't you called me before? What was it? Six years ago we lost track of each other.
1: Seven. I, I have to talk to you. Could you come over to my place after work? Tonight? Well, why not? Great.
2: You live in the same place? Yeah,
1: the same floor through on on Bleecker.
2: I have a light in the window at 10 o'clock and I'll be there.
1: So you see, Robin, I... I can't go on keeping all this to myself. You see, it, it was so easy... I knew Uncle Joseph had these big hypodermic needles the gardeners used to test the sugar content. And all I had to do was to fill one with poison. What poison? I I, I don't remember exactly. something I bought. Well, it's not that easy to buy poison. Are you going to let me tell you how I did it?
2: Yes, yes, go on. Uh,
1: it was nothing to drive up from the city that Saturday night in a rented car Park a mile from Renfield, open the back door, I I knew the house, creep into the kitchen, open the refrigerator, and there it was. The dwarf French melon he was going to have for breakfast the next morning. Take out the needle, poke it through the melon skin, and in just one hour I was back in this room. I was right here, sitting on this chair by three thirty in the morning. You Robin, don't don't, don't you remember? Remember what? Well, you, you came off the night shift on the paper, and I was sitting here in my shirt sleeves as if I'd been working all night.
2: Yes. It was that night. Yes,
1: how could you forget it? You were the one who spoke up for me at the inquest saying I was obviously working in my room as I'd often done before when you'd stop by after work.
2: And you weren't?
1: No. You you see, Robin, I'm telling you this now so you could print it as, as a sort of interview saying I was lying so they'd reopen the case.
2: Henry... You're asking me, who, who proved your alibi, now to establish your guilt? Yeah, will you?: Well,, uh, how can I?
1: I can't live like this anymore, torn by remorse.
2: Well, then you are sorry. I,
1: I don't know why I said that, because, because I'm not sorry I killed him. I'm not.) <laughs> I wasn't going to help. I'd made a mistake. But fortunately, Peter, my lawyer, arranged for me to see someone who could be objective. Charles Green, the assistant district attorney.
3: I'll be honest with you, Graham. For a man to confess to a crime on the flimsy evidence that you've just handed me...
1: It's my own fault, then, if I didn't make clear to you every detail I remember of that night? Uh, one thing. From where did you rent the car that you used that night? Well, I think it was a garage opposite Leffler's on 20th Street. Oh, fine. We'll check the records. If they're still there. Well, let's hope. And, uh, the poison you used? Yeah, I've been trying to remember where I bought it. It'll come to me. Okay. Get back to me with that information, will you? Uh, Call my office and leave word with my assistant. I'd rather come and tell you personally. Hmm. As you wish. Well, (sighs) goodbye, Mr. Graham. Yeah, I'll get you the information. Mm -hmm. I'll be in touch very soon. Fine. Yes?
2: Peter Ashton
1: on one. I'll take it. Peter... Your friend just left. Well, what do you think, Charlie? That's what I was going
0: to ask you. He's certainly got a fixation to confess the murder of his uncle.
1: Think there's anything to it? I'll check it out. But his story is full of holes. I think the biggest favor that you could do him is to have him see a psychiatrist. I called Robin a few times. She was too busy to see me. I wondered, was she washing her hands of me already? I tried writing, but I couldn't sit still at the typewriter. And then a Mr. J.B. Henson, a detective from the DA's office, came to see me. I was so excited that they were doing something, I, I could hardly talk. First, we went to 20th Street. Uh, M- Mr. Henson, I, I'm I'm pretty sure the garage was was somewhere along here uh, The number will come to me. Mm-hmm. Well there's no car rental garage on this uh, block. Well, well let's 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 keep walking then. Uh, you told the assistant district attorney it was um Number 204 East. Yeah, yeah, opposite uh, Leffler's department store. Now, let's see, I rented the car on a Tuesday. And then what? Well, for a week I began making practice runs at night from where I was living uh, up to Renfield. See, I just had four days, and when I got the trip down to an hour... I thought, fine, that's okay. You, you see, I wanted to get up there at about 1 or 2 and, and be back home by 3. Oh, uh, yeah, that, this, this looks sort of familiar. No, but not the building. It, it, is that num- number 204? Well, it may have been 10 years ago, but this office building has swallowed your garage. Now, you're dead sure... Oh, yes, yes, I am, because y- you see... See that empty building across the street? That was Leftler's department store. We'll we'll check it. And it was a Mr. Flood you rented the car from, right? You didn't get his first name? No, no, just Flood. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that brings us to the poison. The DA said you were going to try to remember where you got it. Yes, I do remember, Mr. Henson. I got it from an old college teacher of mine, a Jim Dawes. He, he lived at number 20, Stuyvesant Square. He, he was a chemist. He made it up for me. No questions asked. He made the poison up for you? Absolutely. I'm sure he'll tell you. You just ask him. Uh, you've seen him recently? No, no. Not in ten years. Yes. Well, I could have been wrong about the address. My memory for details has not been too good lately. Uh. Uh, That could have been where Professor Dawes lived. uh... We don't think so. This man was 96 years old. Oh. Oh, what happens now? Why do you want this crime known? Why do you want to sit in jail for the rest of your life? I've told everyone why so many times. I'm guilty. I want to pay for what I've done. I can't understand why that's so hard to believe. I... uh feel like I'm sitting somewhere else looking at my life like watching a movie I'm not part of anymore. I didn't feel remorse or guilt. I wished I could turn the clock back ten years so I could remember something that would help. I went downtown to the off-Broadway theater where my first play had been done getting a seat right at the back so I could get out into the lobby before the crush started.
2: Hello, Henry. Robin. How did you like the play?
1: Uh, uh, it, it, it was good. Uh, Robin, I i have left word at your office. I, I don't know how many times.
2: Well, we've been very busy. Our neighborhood paper is getting very popular.
1: <laughs> are, are you still in charge of everything? <laughs> no.
2: Just editorial and
1: art critic.
2: Do you remember this theater? Yeah.
1: My first and only triumph. Gosh, it's really strange running across you here. It's as if ten years ago is happening all over again.
2: I've been thinking about you, Henry. I'm sorry I didn't believe you. Because I I wanted to. Yes, I'm
1: I'm glad. Gee, I can't get over it. Meeting you like this here, here in this theater... Ahmed. what is this? That man, there with with a moustache, who just came into the lobby. He, you see him?
2: He, yes, yes, I do. Why? Do you know him?
1: Why? Why is he here?
2: What's he doing? Why shouldn't he be? He probably came to see the play. No, oh, he's
1: he's from the D.A.'s office. He's following me. <laughs>
0: Before we begin to analyze whether Henry Graham is as sane as he believes he is or is on the verge of a mental breakdown or suffers from an imbalance for which there is little cure, let us suppose he is stricken only with a conscience that his illness is his conscience. If so, it is beyond the practice of all the physicians in the world. I shall return shortly with Act Three. those who have in their past committed some loathsome act which with regret and fear they hide from their conscious selves. Within the mind the memory of this act gathers force until like an active volcano it bursts upon the consciousness. On the other hand could the murder of his uncle exist only in Henry Graham's imagination? That he believes he committed the crime because he wishes he had in the lobby of a theater, Henry suddenly becomes aware that he is being followed. Robert,
1: that that man w- with the mustache—I—I've met him before. He's—he's a, he's a detective. He's from the DA's office. Hey,
2: Henry, I hate to destroy your vivid imagination, but he happens to be a man I know, and he's just come out of the theater like everyone else. You know him? Yes, he's Doctor George Stanner.
1: That that man there, li- lighting a cigarette. He. <laughs> He's no doctor Of
2: course that's Stanner I ought to know I interviewed him He's got an office at 5th and 89 He's one of the best known psychiatrists in the business They're always calling on him to testify in court Testify? About what? Well, you know In cases where they plead insanity No
1: No, he c- he couldn't be
2: Why couldn't he be? I, I just don't understand you, Henry Oh, wait. We'll soon find out, because I think he's coming this way. No, I don't want him to see me. Henry, you're not making sense. If he's following you, he's seeing you. Oh, good evening, Dr. Stanner. How did you like the play? Oh, not much, really. Mental aberrations are not what I call entertainment. But I thought I ought to see it. Uh, yes, well, well, good night, Doctor. Mm, good night.
1: That man. Henson could be his twin.
2: Henry... Shall I walk you home? You seem a little shaky.
1: No, I... I don't think I I want to go home yet.
2: Well, good. Then why don't you invite me to have coffee?
1: You you would?
2: Uh, Really? Oh, I'll not only accept your invitation for a cup of coffee, Henry, but this time I'll let you pay for it.
1: I had believed... The assistant D.A. and the detective Henson were on my side. If I was being trailed, obviously they were not. The next morning, my phone rang. Would I come over to the D.A.'s office as soon as I could? The assistant, Mr. Green, had some news for me. Uh, Miss Draper,
3: we've just called Henry Graham. Before he gets here, I've asked you to join Dr. Stannard and myself because... Obviously, you've known Graham for a long time, and he trusts you.
2: Oh, I hope so. Yes, I have known Henry for a long time. I I knew him when his uncle died. Offhand, I'd say he has a fantastic imagination, but he's no criminal. Hmm.
3: Dr. Stanner, you've had a couple of interviews with Graham.
2: Uh, There's a great deal to what Miss Draper says.
1: On the other hand, it's possible that he's a manic depressive. He certainly shows many of the symptoms... He told me he felt as if he were watching his life
2: on a movie screen.
1: Why would he want to kill his uncle in the first place?
2: Well, Henry adored his sister. She died of TB, which he feels could have been prevented had there been money for special treatments. Henry went to see his uncle to ask for a loan. His uncle turned him down. Hmm.
3: Is it possible, Doctor, that in Graham's mind, his uncle killed his sister... So Graham had to kill him in return?
1: In his mind, Charles, yes. But only there.
3: Well, we haven't found hard evidence to the contrary.
1: Um, Mr. Green? Yes, come in. I I came as soon as I could. Robin? Who... What are you doing here?
2: Uh, I was invited.
1: I think I've met this gentleman before, huh? Mr. Hanson? Huh? Or is it... Well, actually, Graham, his name is not Henson. That's right. You're Dr. Stanner, the psychiatrist. Yes, I am. Mr. Green, why did you do that to me? Send a psychiatrist. Because I looked into your story and there's nothing to
2: it. Uh, Henry, please, everyone here wants to
1: help I want to know why the assistant DA played such a trick on me. I had to. It's part of my business. Matter of fact, Dr. Stanner is a detective... Every doctor is. Oh? And what did he detect? Well, it's overwork, Graham. Yours is not an uncommon form of hallucination. Dr. Stanner, I killed my uncle. Uh, Gentlemen, I think we've gone about as far as we can on this investigation. The taxpayers would be up in arms if we spent any more time on it. Dr. Stanner, I appreciate your work.
2: Henry, let's go somewhere. Just you and me. <laughs> cook us a little supper and you put your feet up and look at the papers there's a whole pile read one of them and tell me what you think
1: I'm so tired all I've been doing in the past few weeks is running around trying to prove something I couldn't stop Uh, Robin yes why are you wasting time with me
2: because you're in trouble and I'd like to help
1: Robin Come here.
2: I'm preparing something for us to eat
1: It can wait Come here, will you?
2: Okay, my friend Move over on this sofa So I can sit
1: Why Do you want to
2: help me? Oh, I don't know I just want to I'd like you to have some Peace of mind
1: I'm not going to stop now I have to prove I'm the murderer.
2: Henry, wouldn't it be better if you just closed the book on it? Sure.
1: Sure, it would be better. But I can't. There's got to be some way of finding a man I rented the car from, some relative of Jim Dawes who knew he was a chemist and how he made poisons. (laughs) No one believes that. I'll tell you what else. Uncle Joseph had a housekeeper, a Mrs. Cruz. Yeah, maybe she knows something. Maybe my fingerprints are somewhere in the kitchen, near near the refrigerator. I've got to go up there and look around.
2: If Renfield is still standing, they, they wreck a lot of those old estates.
1: Robin, I wish you wouldn't keep doing that. Doing what? Whenever I come up with something, you knock it down.
2: Henry, Henry, I'm your friend. I'm just trying to be logical. I don't need that
1: kind of friendship. I want you to promise me you'll, you'll think uh, think about everything I've said and do something about it. Try everything you can to prove I'm guilty. You've got to.
2: Well, if that's what you want. Uh, sure, but, but what if I can't? What if none of the people or things you talk about are around anymore?
1: Robin, this is not funny. I'm going to settle this even if I have to kill again to prove it.
2: Dr. Sanner, it's Robin Draper. Henry Graham is here. He's been here all evening, and I I think he's not well. I'm hiding in my bedroom, and I can't leave my apartment. tell me, what's the address? 724 East 72nd. Knock on the superstore downstairs. He'll have a passkey. Where is Graham now? Well, he's dozing on the sofa, I think. Oh, please, get over here as fast as you can.
1: I don't know what happened then. Of course, I would never have hurt Robin. I don't care what they say. But it's turned out all right. They asked me to stay in this place and take it easy. I sort of lose track of the time, but... The day my lawyer Peter, came with Robin, well, I'm not likely to forget that. Hello, Henry. It's good to see you. hello peter they They said I had two visitors. Who's the other? Well, there she is, Miss Draper.
2: My darling Henry. Such a long time. May I kiss you you're
1: <laughs> you're embarrassing me Robin Robin, what what is it you're 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 crying
2: no. It's all right, Henry. Oh, he looks so much better than the last time, doesn't he, Peter?
1: Mm-hmm, much better. Have, have you two been here before to see me? Yes. I don't remember that.
2: You're safe here. And we'll come to visit you as much as you like.
1: How long is it? How long? Yes, that, that I've been here. Well, we won't bother you with numbers. How are they treating you? Oh, great. Just just great. Uh, once I got to know the people here, I explained to them how I killed Uncle Joseph. They're, they're very interested in it. I've taken the time to write a more complete statement of how I killed him. I, I had been a little vague before. Uh, for instance, about Mrs. Cruz, the housekeeper, uh, that night in the kitchen when I put the poison in the melon, I... I heard a noise and got out of there fast, but when I was closing the door behind me, I saw her and she saw me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all in here, Peter. I've written it all down. Uh, see what you can do, okay? And, uh, let me know uh, next time. Uh, Robin, when, when are you coming here again?
2: Are you politely telling us to go?
1: There's a play producer who happens to be staying here. He wants to talk to me about a production. Uh, Peter, be sure you read that statement carefully, huh? Find out everything you can so that I can
2: take my punishment. Henry, stop that. What? I'm not going to let you ask us to get you convicted and... and then talk about putting on a play in the same breath. Do you want to be accused of your uncle's murder or not?
1: Of course. Think of the publicity value. Author of this season's Broadway smash hit awaits his final curtain in Death Row.
2: Peter, do you mind... Before we head back to town, my my knees are kind of buckling under me. Let's sit a moment on this bench.
1: I'm a little shaky myself.
2: He's worse. It's almost a a joke with him.
1: And he's still convinced that he did it.
2: There's no shaking him out of that, is there?
1: Robin, there's something I have to tell you. Something I learned the day before yesterday. Thanks to you and that tip you gave me about the housekeeper, Mrs. Cruz. I found her. It's true what he said She did see him But said nothing about it when they questioned her Because she thought she must have been dreaming She couldn't believe Henry would have poisoned his uncle So she suspected the person she saw in the kitchen Was the gardener who had been fired
3: Oh
2: It was Henry after all Yes (laughs) So what do we do now? Oh, what can we do? Will the housekeeper say anything?
1: No, she's scared out of her wits.
2: Peter. I say we do nothing. Henry is being punished. And the punishment may go on for years in this place. But it's his crime he wants to be punished for. I won't be responsible for giving him the death he wants... Say, Peter, you could live with the knowledge that you sent him to his death.
0: It's been said that a neurotic is a man who builds a castle in the air. A psychotic is a man who lives in it. And a psychiatrist is the man who collects the rent. In the case of Henry Graham, we hope the landlord will effect the cure. I shall return shortly. As we round out this story of Henry Graham... and I ask myself, should he be forgiven or forgotten? I am reminded... It was Robert Louis Stevenson who said that there is so much good in the worst of us and so much bad in the best of us that it behooves all of us not to talk about the rest of us. Our cast included Paul Hecht, Joyce Gordon, Lloyd Batista, and Ray Owens. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.